Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And today is going to be really exciting because we're going to be talking about like real estate, not the kind of real estate that you think of, like when you're buying a house. This is totally different, totally different. So, we're going to be talking to someone who owns 3,000. 500 plus. So that's like in the thousands rental units. And he's the leader of the Hoy Deal Pipeline Club. So he'll tell you more about that. And it's acquired over $255 million of real estate by syndicating over $25 million of private equity since 2016. So that's really, really quickly. And if you don't know what any of those words mean, it's okay. Like still listen up because you're going to learn a lot about this. And so I'm going to bring on Lane Kawaka. Okay. You got to tell him how to say your last name because I'm too country to say it. So <laughs> you're from Hawaii, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks okay. for having me. And yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> Nobody gets it anyway. Kawaka. <laughs> Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're like be nice. <laughs> And so you're, you know, it's like all these cool Hawaiian names. Um, like I can't do that with my tongue. It's so my, um, I have some friends that live in Hawaii and like their accents have changed as they've moved from like Nashville, Tennessee over to Hawaii. And I'm like, how do you make your tongue do that? But anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super, super excited to learn about your story and your journey. And I know that our listeners are very interested to know. And I know that you have a background in engineering and really you've understood like at a very young age, like how to engineer the wealth, like just building strategies around um, the rich and the top 50 investing like podcasts. So before we even dive into all this, like how you got into real estate and how you have developed this pipeline club, take us back. Like, did you grow up in Hawaii? Like, were you surrounded by entrepreneurship growing up? Like, how have you even gotten to where you are today at such a young age? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GSD leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's episode is being brought to you by GSD Academy, where I personally walk you through my four-step 
process with personalized videos. I give you downloadable templates and so many resources. So if you're serious about changing your life and your business and you're ready to GSD, that is get shit done, go to bit.ly slash GSD Academy. Yeah, I mean, my my childhood growing up was pretty normal. Um, Middle class, um, the way I... My parents told me to go to school, get a good job, and you know, apparently I was good at math and science. So I got pushed into some kind of engineering track or something when I was younger. So that's what I did to go to college. <laughs> and so you went to – did you go to college in Hawaii? So I went to University of Washington up in oh. uh, Seattle. Okay. And then did you miss the water? Not really. I mean, growing up, I, you know, you're asking if I surf. I mean, I, I, I know. know how, but I was kind of indoor, play video games kind of kid back gotcha. then. Um, you know, I mean, called the linear path, right? Like just, you know, you study hard, you go to school. I mean, that's just kind of ingrained in kind of your head that this is how you should do it, right? You, you, you work hard and you get a job and you work at that job for 40, 50 years you uh, you have a car. You got a you got a spouse. You got a uh, a house to live in. You know that's and then you invest in the stock market. All these retirement funds mm-hmm. is kind of like the the wealth building dogma that they tell you. But yeah, I mean it's all wrong. You know it's completely wrong. <laughs> yes, I agree, hundred percent. So how did when did you realize like this shit? They're lying to me. <laughs> like this shit is not right. Like how when did you figure that out? Or and how did you figure that out? Well, it took me a while. So like I graduated college and I had a pretty good paying job, you know, 80 grand back in 2007. Um, Luckily, I was able to save money pretty well, you know, so all that stuff about the don't drink a latte every day. Yeah, I did all that. I, you know, pretty much ate ramen for a few years. (laughs) And I was able to um, save maybe like 50 plus grand out of my paycheck every year. Wow. to, uh, To save up to buy a house. Again, I was like brainwashed. Like, you know, they say you should buy a house to live in, which I definitely don't agree with, especially if you live in high price areas like Hawaii, Seattle, California, New York, Boston. Um, but we can get more into that later. But so that's what I did. I bought a house to live in. And because my job took me all over the place and uh, working for the railroad, you know, I was never home. And um, I was like, this is silly to have this nice place to live in only a home on Saturdays. So I started to rent it out. The, the rents were $2,200 a month and the mortgage was 1600 a month. And to a young 20 something year old kid, that was a lot of beer money back then. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really didn't like my job. So I was like a civil engineer and an industrial engineer. Uh-huh. And um, the first job that they put you out is like a construction supervisor. And you know, it's really not fun, really, really not fun. So I was like, man, I gotta just keep doing this. You know, it took me two, three years to save up my money. And if I can just keep doing this, I'm going to be out of the rat race. I'm going to keep create these streams of income and use those streams of income to buy more properties quicker. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the start of things. And, you know, yeah, the first rental property, I bought it all wrong. You know, like um, it was in Seattle, for example. You know, you don't buy properties in primary markets. And then all the numbers were, it didn't even meet that 1% rent to value ratio threshold that we look for. So how did you, so you, your first rental property was in Seattle and then 
what did you learn from that? And like, how did you start to invest in two, three, four, five? And like, how the hell did you get up to 3,500 plus? Yeah. So, the, you know, kind of two main things, you know, I started to realize investors, they invest for cash flow. Most unsophisticated investors, they invest, you know, for appreciation and kind of, it's kind of logical, right? But then, you know, it's also way more logical where you invest where the actual investment pays for itself. So how do you ensure that you, you look for this indicator called the rent to value ratio? So if folks are at home right now, you, know, you can hop on something like Zillow and, you know, granted Zillow is not the best data out there, but it's good enough. Yeah. So, you know, you, you hop in there, you look at a property and uh, you take the market value and you try and look how much it's going to rent for. You know, I think Zillow's got that, that rental estimate on there right now these days. So you, or you can go on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, or rentometer.com is another resource. So you take that monthly rent divided by the purchase price, and we're looking for a ratio of 1% or higher. So a lot of people um, on, in California or Seattle, you know, it's a huge culture shock. But I mean, you know, Angela, you can buy really nice houses out mm. where you're at for 100 grand that rents for a thousand bucks. But in uh, you know Seattle, you'd be lucky to rent something for two thousand dollars that was under five hundred grand. Mm-hmm. So you know the numbers just don't make sense. So you're looking for a one percent rent to value ratio or higher for an investor grade property. So that's kind of the first go around. So where are like we were talking before I started recording, and you're like, oh, it's just in Huntsville, and yeah, you know we have some properties there, like. Where are all these properties and how did you figure out how to diversify, not just in, you know, where you went to school and where you're from, but because in my head, I'm like, gosh, that can get really messy with taxes. (laughs) But how did you figure that out? Or did you hire somebody to do it for you? Or how do do you surround yourself with the right people? Or did you just learn how to diversify and get these properties all over the world. Yeah. So logistically, even from the start, I, I had professional property management to do all my dirty work for me. You know, like, so they interface with the tenant. They do all the leases. They, they kind of manage them on the day to day and the property management kind of shoots me an email or phone call when, you know, something happens, like something breaks or they not need to renew a lease or, you know, something's happening. It, it's pretty manageable and it, it can be pretty passive, you know, when you have under 20 or 30 units. Um, but yeah, my first few rental properties units were in Seattle and that was where I realized investors don't really invest in what we call primary markets. So primary markets are places cool to live where the numbers don't make sense. Like Seattle, pretty much all of California, Hawaii, New York, Boston, you know, all the sexy cities, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, your question is, well, where, the, where do we invest? Well, if we look for the secondary markets or tertiary markets. So secondary markets are like, ooh, like Memphis, Indianapolis, Atlanta, Birmingham, Indi- yeah, Indianapolis, Little Rock, you know, places like that, you know, big mm-hmm. cities, but they're definitely the second tier. And uh, that worked for about a decade from 2010 to 2020. But, you know, nowadays you're going to have to kind of go out to uh, more tertiary markets. So, you know, that's why we're looking up in Huntsville these days and, you know, like a, like a Lake Charles, Louisiana, you know, smaller markets because, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
prices has kind of gone up over the years. Yeah, I feel like in Nashville, I mean, there's so much freaking construction. It's great for business. And, um, you know, I grew up in Mount Juliet, which is about 30 minutes from the city. And you used to could get a pretty, you know, get way more for your money. You could spend a half a million dollars and get a 5,500 square foot house. But then you come down towards the city and now you're paying a million for maybe 2,500 square feet. And that's for a house. And then if you look at some of the condos, you know, for 2,500 square feet, you're looking at three and four or five million dollars in some of these condo buildings. And so I'm like, this is not New York people. And this is not LA. This is not Santa Monica or Hollywood. But the more industry that comes here and the more our city grows, they're like a hundred people a day moved to Nashville, like the higher shit gets. And so as the market rises, what do you all, do you have to change your strategy or pivot to where like, so you're not losing money or do you already factor in and foresee that growth like in, in big, larger cities? Well, I mean, that's why, that's why your prices are going up because folks like myself are creeping over from the West Thanks. coast and the East coast. Right. <laughs> I mean, some of those prices that you're kind of quoting, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Right. Like, cause yeah. here in Hawaii, I mean, it's a million dollars for sort of a decent starter home. Mm-hmm. And it's absurd to you guys where that house probably would be 250, 300 in your backyard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, people, people can pay it. The salaries are, are a lot higher on the West Coast. And mostly because like just the cost of living is higher out there too. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's always getting harder and harder, but you know, the fundamentals are 1% rent to value ratio or higher. You know, at that point, you're probably going to be positive cash flow. And, you know, I mean, if you can cash flow, you know, you, you hold on to the asset and you, you hold on to a large portion of debt and that debt is very valuable because people don't realize you're, but you're hedging, hedging inflation. I mean, all, with all the stimulus money going in, in they're just going to inflate it away. And if you're there holding hard assets like real estate that happened to cash flow along, along, along the way, you know, you're going to be the beneficiary of inflation, but everybody else, you know, you're going to be kind of losing your, your wealth over time. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is listening today and they're like, I kind of want to get involved in real estate and I want to start to build assets. I, I think you teach this. You Do you teach people how to get into real estate and how to invest and build wealth? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of the, the anti-real estate guru, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> programs out there that want to take your 20, 30, 40, 50 grand. And, you know, I mostly, they, they work with people who don't have money, right? Like I, a lot of my clients are, you know, they're working professionals, they have money or successful entrepreneurs, you know, they've got money to invest. They, mm-hmm. Their highest and best use is what they do today, but to invest passively, right? That's kind of my shtick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my suggestion would be, yeah, just check out my free first pod, my first dozen podcasts. It's all about buying single family homes. I've kind of moved off personally to investing in private placements and syndications mm-hmm. as my net worth has grown, but yeah, I mean, that's the fundamental is just a single family home rental. And you, you kind of understand it from there. And you, you start to understand how easy it is. I mean, you mentioned like all the taxes, like, I mean, I don't know, I just give it to my CPA and they do it. Yep. 
Yep. Out, outsource, outsource, outsource right. and surround yourself with people who, who know how to do those things. Yeah. So, so you started with, so to ask you about your podcast, how did you decide to start your podcast? And was it because people, I can only imagine like people coming to you and asking you a gazillion questions. Is that one of the reasons you're like, Hmm, I should start a podcast. Exactly. I mean, like all my buddies were asking me, how do I, how do I was like buying all these properties out in Birmingham or Atlanta? And then, you know, I was, I wasn't really visiting, um, you know, you honestly, you don't really need to do that if you have a good team or, and especially when you're buying sort of houses that are commodities, you know, three bedroom, two bath, 1200 square feet. Um, it's not necessary, but people, it's just dumbfounded people. And I would just always have to repeat myself and, you know, I'm like, that's, that's why like real estate is one of those things or just like business in general, right? You talk to so many people, but very few people take action. Right. So I just got tired of repeating myself and I was like, you know what? I recorded in a free format on iTunes. You can go and download it there. Like the first 12 are all kind of foundational. Like if you can't do that, dude, like, I don't know. I can't help you, man. But right. you know, I'm like, if people are willing to put in the effort and, and, listen to the first 12 podcasts. Yeah, sure. I'm totally willing to have a, you know, short call with you and kind of point you in the right direction, you know, but you know, people are like, they, very few people take any action, little initiative. Yeah. I was talking to a girl earlier and I'm like, how many, I get this question for like our online courses on like GSD and like getting shit done and like going paperless and becoming more profitable and um, people are like, so how many people actually like percentage wise, you know, like if a hundred people a month go through the program, who actually does it? And it's funny because you're so right. People are like, why would you teach people to do what you do and, and like become competitors? I'm like, no, no, that you've got it all wrong. Like, that's not what we do. Like, and most people you know, they're like, oh, it just, that's so much work. I'm like, well, you got to put the work in to reap the benefits and not everyone's going to do it. But the few that do do it, they become awesome ambassadors and leaders in talking about how their success, like we help them get there, which is awesome. But when I first started doing online courses um, years ago, and we, you know, we would have touch points with people like the 30, the 60, the 90 day check-ins. And I would actually take it really personal. I'm like, why aren't you doing the work? Like it, I've, I've laid everything out for you. Like it's not hard. Like you, ha you paid for this. And then my business manager, he's like, you have their money. Why do you give a shit? <laughs> and I'm like, because I care. Like I want people to be successful. And he's like, well, that's why you want to sell online courses. You might as well quit now if you're going to take it personal because not everyone is going to act that way and, and implement and actually do it. Otherwise everybody would sell online courses and, you know, make millions of dollars online. So, you know, you've got to put a little bit of work in and then, like for you, you know, you make it sound so easy, like, oh, just hire some management, you know, companies and like, have you had all good experiences with management companies or have, have you had like a few stories where you're like, shit, I'll never use them again. Like they're kind of a nightmare story. Um, or has it been kind of easy sailing for you with your management companies? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely kiss a few frogs along the way. I mean, I've got, you know, countless articles of like 25 questions to ask on an interview. Um, but, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people, as you mentioned, and, you know, it's a lot of it's by referrals. So, I mean, we have kind of an inner group of, you know, folks and, you know, they get access to the Rolodex. That's kind of like the, the gold standard right there that people can opt into. But, um, you know, all the information is out there on the website for free, right? I mean, if people want to do the work. It's, it's out there for them. Um, I, yeah, I mean, just, I think I have the same attitude as you, right? Like this real estate, passive real estate investing has absolutely changed my life. Like I had to work as an engineer for 10 years, but yeah, I quit like a year and a half ago because this stuff actually worked for me. And mm-hmm. I realized that for most people who make over a hundred grand a year at their day job or kicking butt at their business, you can get financially free in anywhere from five to 10 years if you actually invest in non-Wall Street garbage investments and you start to get on this track of, you know, well, not barely paying taxes too is another thing with real estate. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just taking money, taking the cash flow and buying more and more assets. I mean, to answer your question, well, how did it balloon to 3,500? Yeah. I mean, I mean it, well, I mean, the first few, five years was like watching grass grow. I mean, I just had to save up 30, 50 grand a year to go buy the next rental property. Um, but around 2014, 15, I had 11 rentals, right? And that was where things kind of really took off. That's where it hit the, the hockey stick. But, but prior to that, it was like watching grass grow. So patience, you got to be patient is what I'm hearing. Right. And it's just numbers too, right? I mean, it's this exponential growth of uh, bacteria in a way, but it's your money. <laughs> right. Right. Have you, so on all of your properties, have you always been profitable? Like, you know, the numbers? Uh, for the most part, I mean, I don't really take too much chances, right? Like we're not, we're not doing the HGTV thing, flipping <laughs> houses or like people like they, they do heavy rehab on it and they call this burr strategy where they buy rent rehab refinance i mean that's a lot of work yeah right like uh, myself as an ex-engineer and a lot of my clients like our highest and best use is not screwing around with this real estate stuff make no mistake we're passive investors this mm-hmm. is secondary to our highest and best use mm-hmm. that's yeah so for people who don't understand like how to build a portfolio and can you talk a little bit more about like what that means? And um, like, I would say probably, I don't know, 10 or so years ago before I started to really understand like profitability and my banker was like portfolio. I'm like, Oh, here's all the pretty pictures of all the weddings I've done. He's like, no, no, that's not what I mean, honey. (laughs) Like what is a portfolio? Like how do you build your portfolio with, with little time? Like, dumb it down so if people who don't know what that is and they're young and they're just starting like what does that mean how do you build it yeah so so, you know catch me on this because you know it's always to become second nature but yeah i mean take my blueprint like i bought a rental property rented it out it got me a few hundred bucks of cash flow after all expenses capital expenditures you know shit happens you know like there was a few bucks or few hundred bucks of cash flow every month. So, you know, now if I was saving maybe 30 grand, I was saving maybe 35 grand at the end of the year. 
and just save, 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 go to work every day, and then you need to buy that next property. And then now your total cash flow goes up and you know, rinse, wash, repeat several times. And this is how you kind of build up that portfolio of income producing um, assets to help you buy more and more properties. Um, a lot of my students, you know, they get to a point where they're cash flowing maybe five fifty or $100,000 a year, and they can almost double the amount of assets that they're putting in their portfolio. Um, it's a very different um, paradigm shift from the traditional wealth building dogma, which is, you know, you save up $2 million of X amount of ABC stocks, and then you live off the, the remains. You start to eat the, the pile. Like the the difference here is, you know, we're buying assets that produce income today, like mini pensions today. We're not waiting till we're old and gray yeah. to be able to eat from it. This feeds us today and the excess helps us buy even more. So it's a, it's a, it's a huge paradigm shift that, you know, Wall Street has created a lot of marketing around putting your money blindly into Wall Street assets. Um, and, you know, like, I think for me, like being an engineer and a numbers guy, like what really hit home to me was like when I calculated the, num- the, the returns that I was getting from just something as simple as a single family home rental, you know, you're making cash flow, you know, like I said, a few hundred bucks off each property every month, but that doesn't include the hidden benefits of the taxes. You know, you're able to depreciate the, the value of the property every year and possibly take a a negative off your active income. Mm-hmm. Um, the property is appreciating at leverage and um, the you're paying down your mortgage. Well, your tenant is, right? You're not really doing it. Your tenant's paying down your mortgage for you. Right. So when you add all those four things up, um, I mean, I have this on my pretty detailed on my website. And I got a video at simplepassivecashflow.com slash returns to break down mm-hmm. the math, but you're making like 30% plus a year. And I looked at over at my stock portfolio at the time, it was the majority of my portfolio. And I'm like, how the heck am I only getting 8% there <laughs> where I can make 30 something plus percent on this side pretty passively. And, uh, and I, that's where I started to realize that, yeah, you're getting screwed. Like Wall Street's taken like a good 30, 30% of your profits, whether you make money or not. Right. And this system is engineered to keep us all working for like yep. 40, 50 years which is so crazy. <laughs> it's like people think we live in a free country and I'm like, but they're brainwashing you. They're brainwashing you. Yeah. So you have this, I, I want to get to this book, the one thing that changed everything. And so what, what do you say? I mean, people need, need to go get the book, but one thing that changed everything, what was your one thing? Yeah, so this was um, probably about around when I got up to 11 rentals and I was, I was not quite hitting the hockey stick, but intellectually I was. I realized that I was going to be financially free very soon. I was not going to work at my day job in the, my 40s. Um, I've, you know, I've obviously kind of quit my, my day job before that. But I was like, all right, what am I going to do, right? Like if money was no object to you and you had enough cash flow regenerating from your assets every single month Mm -hmm. to the excess of five or 10 grand that you could kind of spend freely. 
um, what would you do? And, you know, of course, what does anybody do? Like, I'm going to go on a vacation, right? I'm going to just do nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I went around walking around for a few months thinking like that. And then it, that idea got really old and stale. And it, it kind of was like, man, that's kind of lame, right? Because yeah. like, you see all these guys who don't have money, you know, playing the Instagram lifestyle like that, you know, taking pictures right. of their food. And yeah, you know, I, I, I left my job. And I don't know, like, to me, that was, it's kind of lame, right? It's kind yeah. of a waste. You, you you work so hard to get out of the rat race. And now that you did it, you didn't do anything to capitalize on it. Right. And then I just realized, like, like, you know, like we were saying, like, people are just led into all this, these bad financial decisions, like buying your home to live in, or investing in all these retirement funds, these Roth IRAs, like, it's just bad advice. And it's just, you know, advice put out by large companies like the Fidelities, the Vanguards, all these brokerages to have you invest in their garbage investments. Mm-hmm. And I just saw like a big evil in the world. And I just kind of want to, you know, go out and, you know, help other people who had an open mind about investing in more alternative assets. Yeah, this is awesome. Like, and I'm looking at um, some like your online you're like your digital assets. So like you've got your YouTube channel, your podcast and, you know, multiple in multiple places. I constantly see like, this is Lane's passion project, like simple, passive cashflow.com. How did you decide? Like, cause exactly what you just said, Oh, I'm independently, like, I don't need to work because I've created this passive income. And then you just think you're going to travel the world. And then as entrepreneurs, we realize like, huh, shit, I'm bored. Like we need to be doing something to make a difference to, to make life matter. At least that's what I've seen in working with some, I mean, we've had some amazing clients that, um, money is not an object. They care about the experience. They care about customer service. They care about not getting screwed. They don't want people taking advantage of them. They want to be surrounded by true, authentic people that are going to, you know, a lot of ours is like in the event world. And so they can pay for any experience they want. That's that's not what it's about. But they still are passionate about doing something. And so clearly you are passionate about helping people understand like, Hey, a lot of this is garbage. And let me show you the way that I did it because it's proven to work. So how did you decide, how'd you come up with like, okay, I'm going to call this simple passive cash flow, and, and make a passion project and a company. Like, is it really simple or do you, does your way make it simple for people to understand how to make passive income? Yeah, I mean, it's not the tagline is that it's it's simple, but it's not easy, right? Gotcha. Like I'm not okay. saying that you know it, this is not for everybody. Financial independence is not for everybody, but it right. is for those who are willing to put in the effort to learn it and kind of deviate off the standard path and to keep at something for more than six months, for sure. Um, which a lot of people aren't, aren't able to do. And you know what? That's cool. I, I, I like my Starbucks. I need somebody to keep making my Starbucks for me mm-hmm. when I do go, um, yep. when I do not use the K-cup to save money. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. It, but for there's a lot of people out there that kind of live my lifestyle of like, you know, we were told a lie. We were all told to be good little boys and girls and study hard. And, um, you know, when everybody else was, you know, not going to college or at college playing around Frisbee in the quad, we were studying our butts off. 
to get good paying jobs. And then mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, we either did the math that there was some life changing experience that made us realize that life was more about this and um, we need to kind of get free from this rat race and um, you know, buying rental properties, buying alternative assets, going into syndication deals is a way of achieving that. And um, yeah, I mean, as I started to, you know, join different masterminds of, you know, more accredited investors, guys, 10, 20, 30 years older than me and much higher net worth. And I started to realize that there's a certain set of tactics that the wealthy use. And the crazy thing is it's not that complicated. They're really simple. You know, how do you create your legal entities, your, do your taxes and, you know, setting up your banking system, your infinite banking system. Um, Very simple how do you pull it all together, right? I mean, you know, 100 millionaire uh, families, they call them family offices. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have, you know, people who do this stuff for a profession managing their money. You know, think of mm-hmm. Alfred to Batman, Bruce Wayne. Yep. But what do people who are a million dollars to $10 million do? You know, they, they don't have anything. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, and that's the void that I kind of fill. You know, I'm kind of that lower level family office consultant for a lot of these families. Gotcha. So if someone wanted to be in your mastermind, what are, do you have pre-qualifications? Like what are the, what do you look for? And do you take new people each year or how, how does that work? If someone wanted to learn from you? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, like I said, just do, do the, the free stuff, right? I mean, <laughs> you're I'm like, gonna, just I'm don't- a, just do the free stuff, right? I don't and your money right build, now. A, build a relationship with me. And, um, you know, we do like a, a annual Hawaii retreat and, you know, get to know my tribe. You know, it's, it's kind of an interesting group of people, you know, very high net worth, but nobody's staying in the Hilton. Nobody's staying in the, you know, the, the big five-star hotels. They're all staying in the little boutique value-driven hotels. So mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting group of people. Okay. Okay. So I'm just, you have so many great things like listed on your site. And then if you guys could see this, this, uh, we call it like, here's our podcast one sheet. Like, you know, when you're talking with people and yours isn't a one sheet, it's like a 10 sheet. (laughs) It's like, look at all this stuff, which is awesome. Like it's very, um, it's amazing. And it's also like for people who are, doing like what their parent, you know, my parents said they go to school, work in healthcare. Like my, my dad, when I was like, I'm not going to go back to my job. Like I'm going to fly off to this Island in Antigua and like do this job. And he's like, are you on drugs? Did, did someone drug you? Did you hit your head? Like, what is wrong with you? You have insurance, you have bonuses, you have a 401k or 3b or like whatever the hell it was called at the time. And I'm like, I'm not working for healthcare. Like, can I just pay my own healthcare? You know, yeah. like if, I'm, if I'm making money, I'm like super confused over here. And like, you know, I love my parents. They were great parents. My dad worked for C. When you said railroad, I was like, ooh, which railroad? My dad worked for CSX for 32 years. So um, which railroad were you an engineer for? Uh, the, the BN one, the orange okay. one. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, it was, it was like, uh, his, I mean, he was there when like there was L and N and then it changed, it changed like multiple times, but, 
Um, I never knew how much, how much people ran drug, like illegal drugs, like back and forth on, on a train. I, I'm, I guess you knew that if you worked in the railroad industry. Um, but he specifically worked in the drug division and, um, it was super shady shit. And, uh, but I learned a lot as a kid, I learned to stay away from those drugs because, you know, it can like totally just ruin your life. Um, but I didn't want to do, like, I didn't want to work for the same company for 30 something years. And then you retire and then, then what do you do? You have all this money saved up to what travel the world, but oh shit, then you get cancer, you get sick and then you die. And then your money goes to your kids. And it's like, I don't want your fucking money. Like I'm making my own money. Like I want you to enjoy your money, but it's like, it just opened your eyes to see like what you don't want to do, but they didn't know any different. They didn't know any better. Like no one came in like back then podcasts didn't exist. YouTube didn't exist. Coaches, like all this stuff did not exist. So the people that take advantage of like all these free resources, I'm just like, soak it up people. Like quit watching the reality TV shit and like learn if you want a better life. Like it's there. The information is there. It's right in front of you. So this was awesome. Where do you have a favorite platform where people can connect with you yeah i mean they can go to my website simple passive cash flow um and then podcast simple passive cash flow is the podcast um from itunes google play and um yeah like i said you know if people are willing to put in the work and listen to the first dozen podcasts and at least see if we're kind of jiving on there um mm-hmm. yeah totally willing to get on a call and um or you know shoot me an email lane at simple passive cash flow.com love it one last question how has COVID and the pandemic, has it impacted your business strategies at all or everything is just the same? I give two shits about COVID. I mean, like <laughs> we, we invest in like income producing workforce housing. People need a place to stay. We don't invest in like the high end stuff. You know, what all like the oil and gas executive yuppies that when things go bad, they all lose their jobs and right. have to, you know, and we don't, we don't invest on the low end too, like war zone properties. We're just right in the middle of the bell curve of America, you know, those 40 to $80,000 a year households. Gotcha. And it doesn't matter. Like collect some of our properties, the collections actually went way up. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, like just to kind of get into the numbers a little bit, you know, normally properties collect about 97% of their rents due. You know, you're always going to have some deadbeats. You know, April, May came around and, you know, maybe that dipped a few percent points, but, you know, we're still making money if we collect more than 60%. That's our break even point on a lot mm-hmm. of these assets. Like, That's awesome. Doesn't matter, right? I mean, this is why I don't invest in student housing or military housing or all these like, especially Airbnb short-term rentals. This is why you I invest in workforce house bread and butter investments. Because no matter what is going on in the world, like you said, everyone needs that. Right. Well, we know pandemic. You can check that box. Who knows what's next, right? But you never know, right? You never know. That's why multiple streams of income you know, what, what you do is, is important, but yeah, workforce housing checks the box on pandemic. Yes. Don't put all your eggs in one basket though. I agree with that a hundred percent. I'm very thankful that 
if I only had all my eggs in event planning and designing, I would be screwed. But when people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Like, there's like 10 other things that we do online that generates revenue and sponsorship. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that, that can be done, but you got to put the time in to learn those things. And like you said, it's not hard. It's just taking the time and surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah. Yeah. But so. I get it. You know, like people, they kind of want to diversify and kind of spread themselves thin. I mean, you got to put in the effort and focus at least six months to a few years to get something set up. And then I think you could build a different stream of income too. Right. Do some one thing well, right? First. And then um and then go do it again. Like you said, like the whole wash, rinse, repeat thing. It's like mm-hmm. that's what that's we're constantly preaching that with content. And people are like, how do you do one video and then you have all this content? Or how do you have all this content? I'm like, well, if I do one video a week, then that video turns into audio for a podcast. It turns into a blog post, a Facebook post, an Instagram. You know, it's like you can use it on all your platforms, but some people don't think that way. The conversation's a little bit different everywhere. You just change it up a little bit, but you can still use that idea and those videos up to, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. So it's just understanding the mindset of it and then um, going out there and doing it again. So exactly. This is awesome. I could talk you off about all this all day long, but we're out of time. <laughs> so thank you so, so much for being here. Everybody be sure that if you're interested in this stuff and you want to become financially, independently wealthy and free, really the, the thing is free about quality of life, having enough to live and then building wealth and building assets, be sure to go over and check out Lane's stuff. We'll put the the website and all the ways that you guys can connect with him in the show notes. And thank you so, so much for listening. Everyone, thank you so much for your time and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Business Unveiled. Everybody have a great day. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders and be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled and you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, tag me at gsdleader underscore And share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit angelaprofit.com.